Welcome back to the Nolan Finley Show on the 910 AM Superstation. Uh, again, it's Monday, and on Mondays we visit with Chad Livingood. Chad, welcome to the show. Good morning, Nolan. Morning to you, Chad. Were you out at all to the golf tournament this weekend? I did not make it. I had family commitments. I was out in uh, western Washtenaw County all weekend. Well, good show for Detroit, I think. It was, and really, um, my my uh, my manager, Mike Lee, writes a column this week that kind of uh, you know kind of encapsulates the week of last week about how both this this golf tournament, uh, the first ever for Detroit, and uh, Detroit's first uh, tech unicorn, uh, StockX, which uh, made a lot of news last week when they officially. Valued the company at over a billion dollars. Uh, this is a company in Detroit that is employing 400 people, uh, 800 globally now, and they didn't exist three years ago. And I didn't get the news um, last week. I mean, they've had this phenomenal growth, and yet they're changing leaders. Well, they're, change, they're changing leaders for two reasons. One, they're bringing this Scott Cutler in. He is a veteran of e-commerce. He's worked for, as an executive at, at StubHub and most recently at eBay, um, they're bringing him in to help build up a bigger, uh, more global reach, reaching um, uh, uh, e-commerce business. And they're keeping Josh Luber, the uh, co-founder who co-founded the company with uh, Dan Gilbert. He's going to remain in in an executive role as co-founder, and he will be continue to be the front man for the company. Uh, he's the sneakerhead. He's the visionary behind the whole uh, um, stock market of things uh, in taking tangible, uh, high-value items and and creating a secondary market for them where people bid on them like a stock exchange. But yeah, he also but he seemed to have the golden touch. And you know, why did they need the help? Well, I think I think he needed help, uh, as I understood it. Uh, he needed uh, help in, okay. in building out. Uh, the larger uh, okay. uh, uh, footprint. So this company now has five authentication centers where they, where you sell your high dollar uh, uh, pair of Air Jordans and then you ship it to um, an authentication center so that that StockX can verify it's not a fake. Uh, so the the main one is here in Detroit in Corktown over in the Quicken Loans data center on Rosa Parks, uh, and then there's other ones in. Uh, there's one on the East Coast, somewhere around New York, uh, suburban New York. There's one in Tempe, Arizona. Um, I believe there's one uh, in Tokyo. Uh, and then there's, there's, they're opening a fifth one in the Netherlands. Um, so this is a quickly growing company. And to, to move this product where you're selling a pair of, uh, of sneakers uh, from the Netherlands uh, to someone in China, uh, takes a lot of more lo- global logistics. Um, uh, um, Josh Luber, you know, he's like I say, he's sort of the, the visionary behind this idea of of how to how to sell this, sell things differently um, through this stock market exchange uh, uh, model. And also, what he's what he's been sort of pioneering is taking for products for their first run through StockX. So try to get convinced, go out and convince Nike they should put a, put a shoe on their website first or Gucci put a handbag on their website first before it even goes to 
uh, a Nike store, a Gucci huh. store, or some other store, and, and be the first originator of that product. And they've had some pretty interesting success where they've been able to, you know, sell these things at a much higher value because you're you're bringing in, um, and rather than having like the, the traditional run on. Um, the, the I'll run on the, on the Foot Locker store where people run in, you know, and when, and the, on the on the morning that the, the shoes released, they have the run on the website on StockX.com. So uh, they're 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 disrupting um, some of the higher end luxury goods uh, business uh, with this model, and so Luber's going to continue to be the guy going out talking to both. Uh, the general public talking to, to the media and, and more importantly, yeah. probably talking to the shoe companies about why they should be doing business with them and not necessarily. Chad, do uh, we see a public, retail. do we see a public offering coming? You think that, I mean, as Scott Cutler said, that's, that's, uh, you know, always in, in, in any company's um, site and Scott actually himself, he used to work for the New York stock exchange where he ran a boot camp on taking a company uh, public. Uh, he used to train CEOs of startups, I mean, how to, how to take a company public. So uh, it looks, I mean, the, the, the stars seem to be aligning for, for an IPO, um, and, and that, that would be significant also within Dan Gilbert's very, very private business empire. Yeah. Um, uh, it, and there is no um, publicly traded company within, there, within that uh, organization. So... So this would be a pretty big, uh, big step. Um, uh, it's already, you know, obviously, with the kind of venture capital they've been getting from, from the from the east and west coast, it's already uh, attracting a lot of attention um, from from these um, uh, from these investors, particularly in Silicon Valley. So, Chad, uh, what else are you writing about there at Crane's Detroit business? Well, I have a column this week. Uh, I had an interview with Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, last week when he was in town for uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, announcement that they were increasing their inve- their kind of quasi-investment slash philanthropy um, um, uh, spending in Detroit. They, you know, as you might recall, five years ago last week, uh, Jamie Dimon came to town in the midst of Detroit's bankruptcy and announced he was going to put $100 million into uh, various investments and uh, either grants or, or low-interest or low uh, interest loans. And that was a pretty big deal in the, in the depths of, of the bankruptcy. Yeah. Then a couple of years later, he announced they were going to go to $150 million, and now they're, now they're increasing to $200 million by the end of 2022. Wow. Um, I, I caught up with him. Uh, he was touring a new residential construction that developed Detroit. Sonia Mays' organization is doing over in the north end um, on um, Mount Vernon Street. If you haven't seen this, this is pretty interesting. There's, some, 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 there's, there's a half dozen new homes yeah. uh, being built yeah. right off of Woodward. Um, and, and this is the infill strategy in the neighborhoods we, we, we've all been wanting and hoping to see. Um, and it is happening. Um, and, and so Jamie was over there touring, uh, touring the, the, the neighborhood. And I, I kind of what I wrote about this week is, is how Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan Chase, they're worth more than money to Detroit um, because they've been doing some things behind the scenes uh, that actually have really helped validate Detroit its progress and also um, give it some some additional political capital. 
So to, uh, kind of a well-known story, because Mike Duggan has told this a few times yeah. uh, publicly, yeah. but in 2015, they were, they were and him and, De- and Debbie Stabenow, U.S. Senator, were trying to secure these blight funds for Detroit. They needed about, Detroit ended up getting about $88 million from the federal government. They basically had exhausted all their political options. Mike Duggan was a, was the mayor of a of a city that was one year removed from bankruptcy, and um, he called uh, in talking with you know, with the folks at J.P. Morgan Chase. Jamie Jamie Diamond volunteered to to put in a couple phone calls, and he actually already had a meeting scheduled for to go lobby for some bank regulation with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, then the Speaker um, and of the House, and he sat down with them, and according to both, he spent more time talking about Detroit and why they needed the blight funds than uh, – and why he needed a bank regulation changed, and and, and uh, sure enough, within a few weeks, the money sailed through Congress, and there was no questions asked. Um, uh, just recently, this spring, uh, when Mike Duggan and, and, the, and the administration were trying to assemble all this yeah. land uh, for the Fiat Chrysler Automobiles plant over on Mac Avenue, they ran into, um, according to the mayor, they ran into an issue where it wasn't the Maroons that were the holdup. It was Conrail, uh, the railroad company, yes. owned a seven-acre piece of land on the, on the east side of Jefferson that, between the Great Lakes Water Authority's land and the uh, DTE Connor Creek plant, yeah. and they needed this seven acres. It was a make-or-break situation for the whole project of the 215 acres. It, and according to the mayor, uh, railroad companies don't make decisions in 60 days, uh, particularly when it comes to land. Um, and they again dialed uh, uh, their friends at J.P. Morgan Chase, who picked up the phone and called the right people at Conrail, um, and and made and and got uh, got them back on the phone with uh, with Mayor Duggan's team and such, and they got the deal done. Um, so I mean, this might what be is like it? Small um, what is it um, that that motivates Jamie Dimon in terms of Detroit? What's he got for Detroit? Well, he's he's uh, he's pretty. Um, he's got a lot of uh, um, uh, uh, affection for uh, Mayor Duggan. He thinks he's one of the best uh, politicians in the country. Mm. He continues to think that Mayor Duggan ought to be running for president. Um, well, everybody else speak. is. He might be the best. <laughs> on, he might be uh, the best of that bunch. <laughs> well, yeah. It's, it's, if uh, Mayor it's, Pete it's can run, why not field. Mayor Mike? I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, um, and he also, I mean, here's the other thing. The bottom line is, is this is good for business. Um, this, this is obviously getting them some good PR, but sure. also, um, JP Morgan Chase has, is the market leader in Detroit. They have about 58% of the, um, of the market share of deposits. We're talking about a number in the name, uh, in the range of nineteen twenty billion dollars of deposits. Now, for a for a global bank with two point five trillion, um, Detroit is dropping its proverbial bucket. But uh, when you're the glo- when you're the market share leader and you've got some big businesses, I presume like Quicken and G- and General Motors and DTE, big companies that have lots of money coming through them all every day. Um, you want to maintain those banking relationships. So, so there's part of this that is, is still at the end of the day, good for the bank. Um, but then, then they, you know, they're trying to make it, they're, they're trying to make this more conscious, obviously corporate responsibility type model. 
Obviously, the, the, this bank and many others took a lot of scorn uh, in the 2008-2009 oh, recession, um, and and so they're out trying to sort of mend fences a decade later, um, and this is part of that. Well, now, Chad, I sat down during the golf tournament with Bill Emerson, the vice chairman of Quicken, Quicken who says Dan Gilbert's not involved in running the company at all while he's recovering from his stroke, but that things are running smoothly, uh, that the see the CEOs of the various companies, including StockX, which you mentioned earlier, are, you know, following plan and running the same way they've always run. What are you hearing? Well, that's what I've heard for a while. And also, Dan was really not involved in day-to-day operations of Quicken. He's been heavily involved in, in, in building up StockX for the last year or so. Yeah. Uh, because it was clearly kind of headed towards uh, unicorn status. And so, um, you know, there, there was always uh, clearly a, an effort uh, he out, uh, to, to, to let his, uh, you know, executives and those other companies run those companies. I mean, uh, as I understand, I mean, obviously he was, he was, in, he was in the process uh, or just completed the sales of, of Greek Town Casino and, and Matt Cohen, who runs the Jack Entertainment uh, division, was, uh, is, is actively out trying to sell other casinos. Um, I mean, he, he, has, he has said that now. Um, and, and so, you know, and then, and then Dan was also working on real estate. Um, mm. uh, and he was working on the auto insurance. Uh, he was very involved in that behind the scenes, meeting with legislators, meeting with the governor, uh, as we reported a few times. Um, and in the day before his stroke, he was texting the governor, you know, okay, you know, congratulations, and I'm going to help you get the roads, uh, road funding, uh, um, the deal done. So yeah, he was not involved in all the day to day as chairman, which is not an unusual in, in a position like that. Um, particularly obviously when he had good seasons, not this last one, but with the, when the Cavaliers were having good seasons, he was spending a lot of time courtside. Um, so he's, come, um, he's got an experienced executive team, uh, pretty much know what to do and are doing it. But what about the downtown projects? Are you seeing much activity uh, on the Monroe block or on the Hudson side? Well, uh, Kirk Pino has reported that the Monroe Blocks is effectively at a, at a standstill right now uh, for at least six months, some kind of evaluation. Um, and Emerson has has said and told us that um, that you know they have there's a lot of uh, logistical is- issues going on with coordinating um, uh, the the construction. That that is not only just a labor issue, but also just a a, um, uh, a logistics downtown. Um, there, there's a fear that if you start building two uh, massive uh, developments with, on, on, within a block of each other, basically, uh, that you're going, you're going to clog downtown to no, to no end. So I think there was some reevaluation of how you time up certain parts of the construction, which a lot of these things do have uh, timing issues, both, you know, one, we have weather issues in this state. Um, and if you were, you know, if, if, if you, if you, um, both, you know, you have to deal with wet a winter, but what if you get another wet spring, like we just had where yeah, that really, uh, much you know, really, uh, yeah, if that really tied up people and could, if you, you can't do a lot of foundation work, uh, when it's raining so much. So right now it's a great week to do foundation work, but, it's all it's all a matter of timing. There is clearly still a labor issue. 
um, th- big, massive projects like like the FCA project over on Mac Avenue, which if you haven't driven by that thing, there's gangbusters activity there. I think you're going to see just, uh, um, you know, round-the-clock work. They've sucked up the all next- the yeah. contractors. I've seen the cranes go out. The construction is massive over there. Yeah, well, there's also there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, there's as Kirk Pino reports this week, there is a, a boom right now in the demolition business. Um, and, you really? know, the uh, Palace of Auburn Hills is scheduled to get torn down. Yeah. Um, there, you know, there was obviously the Silver Dome, and, and there is uh, several other major, um, the, the Northland Mall, um, the um, Summit Place Mall. Uh, the, so there's a lot, of, a lot of demolition work going on right now. Down in, in Delray right now, there is quite a bit of, of demolition activity going on in the preparatory work for the Gordy Howe Bridge. Uh, so there, you want, if, are, if you wanted to be in a business right now, it would be crane rentals, right? Heavy equipment rentals. Uh, well, they got to be gobbling also up. also operators. Yeah, I mean, right. operating engineers, local 324, those guys are are, are, are in a gangbuster boom right now. It's going to be a millionaire's um, and, club. But, Chad, we got to get to a break. Thanks, man. Yep. We'll talk to you next Monday. Chad Livingood. Cranes Detroit Business, cranesdetroit.com.